Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'm Jeremy Lee, and welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. With me, as always, is my faithful sidekick. He's my Robin, and I'm Batman, of course. But of course. (laughs) Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. (laughs) You're not Robin. You're much cooler than Robin is. We established this. Remember, I'm Alfred. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing all the behind-the-scenes work, and occasionally you speak. Exactly. And usually it's words of wisdom. But Hopefully. Unless we're talking about Marvel movies, then you just start spouting foolishness. Um, so other than I could that, say something, but I won't. <laughs> all right. So what are we doing here today, Matthew? I've taken, we've taken, is it two weeks off? Yes. And, uh. I've forgotten what to do. I even forgot to set my timer and everything. So, I'm sure you'll get back in the rhythm. <laughs> We're here today to uh, to discuss doctrinal issues for practical application. Uh, we want to help Christians to grow in their faith, and we want today. We're um, we're talking about pluralism, and really, you may not know what it is, but we'll tell you in a minute. This is really to help you in your gospel conversations with people. This is something that keeps coming up in conversations that I have. So I imagine if you're sharing the gospel that you'll have stuff like this come up as well. So that's the intention today. Uh, Before we get too far, though, I would remind you, if you enjoy this podcast, to, to like it. And rate it on the podcast you listen to us on. Apparently, most of you listen on Apple, so go on there and like and rate it for us. That helps us out uh, to get more people to see our podcast. And remember to subscribe, too. We have episodes to drop almost every week. I think last week was one of the first times in three years that we didn't have an episode. This is true. So, it's all. It's nearly every week that an episode drops. Uh, that way you'll be ready to listen to. And if you enjoy the episode or an, the episodes or an episode, share them with your friends uh, to corrupt their minds too. So pluralism. Uh, pluralism is more than one, right? Right. Monism means one. Pluralism means more than one. Now, when we talk about pluralism, we're not saying that there shouldn't be a pluralistic culture, right? Pluralism in a culture is a result of religious freedom, and then many people make different choices. Sadly, some of them are idolatry and atheism, but we live in a pluralistic culture. And uh, Matthew and I have no problem with that. That's not what we're arguing against. Now, some of my friends think pluralistic culture is a bad thing and Christians ought to do something different, but that's not us. So we don't have a problem with that. We're also not talking about metaphysical pluralism, okay? 
Now, metaphysics has to do with uh, what is, reality itself. So metaphysical pluralism deals with whether reality is one or many. And as Christians, we believe that the reality is many because there's God and creatures. So that there's more than one thing, <laughs> right? Right. A monistic reality is what you find in Star Wars, right? The force is everything, and everything everything has the force in it to a greater, lesser degree. So the force is, is what moves and motivates everything. There's only actually one thing in Star Wars, and that's the force. Everybody else just elements of that force. But Christianity teaches there's a God and creatures, and they're distinct from each other. So there's more than one being in the universe, right? Right. Does that make sense, Matthew? It does. That makes sense. Even if, you, my... even if you did use big words. <laughs> what we're objecting to and what we're trying to help people understand is religious pluralism. And religious pluralism is all right if all you mean is that there's many religions in the United States and we all tolerate each other and get along. No problem with that. The problem is with religious pluralism is when it makes all religions basically the same. There's a couple ways to do that. But before I do that, I want to make clear, because I've run into this problem all the time, there's a difference between denominations of Christianity and religions, okay? We're Baptists, we, ha- we just had our friend Brad Peppel on, who's a Presbyterian. We are not different religions. Right. <laughs> we are different denominations of the same religion, Christianity. So when we talk about religious pluralism, we're not talking about other Christian groups. We're talking about Islam, Hindu, Buddhism, Christianity, those, the major branches of it. And all those religions have different denominations within them who have different beliefs and different traditions. But we're talking about the overarching religions, okay? So don't think that this, this is really not about arguments within Christianity, you know, like whether to speak in tongues or not, baptizing babies or baptizing only believers. We're not arguing against that kind of diversity within Christianity, although everybody should believe the same thing because we hold to the same Bible. But, uh, you know, we're, we're sinners, and, and that comes out in the way we <laughs> construct our doctor, doctrinal ideas. So, yeah. so all, all of those caveats aside, let's dive into what religious pluralism and, and how it manifests itself, okay? In the workplace, you're probably not going to run into people who are philosophically trained and who hold to religious pluralism in that way. It's more, we're talking popular level stuff, okay? The most recent time that I had this discussion with anyone, it was a young man barely out of high school. So there's two ways, though, that people make all religions the same and then say they're all equal. One is to say all religious truth claims are just personal preferences. This happens because of what's called a fact versus value dichotomy. So 
things that are discovered empirically through science are facts. Anything else is just a personal preference. In today's world, and often with young people, this is what they seem to think, religion is just a personal preference. So when you have a discussion about Christianity, which Christianity is an exclusive religion like Islam, we believe that there's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. When Matthew read the scripture passage at the beginning, it said one, one, one. It's because we believe there's only one way to God. There's only one true way to worship him, and that everyone must worship him, that one God in that one way, or face the consequences because you're not worshiping God the way he should be worshipped. But a lot of people make these out to be just personal preferences. And so when I have a discussion with someone who is either no religion at all or another religion, they think me trying to say that their religion is wrong is just like me trying to say their preference for chocolate ice cream is morally wrong and that there's something morally wrong with them for choosing chocolate ice cream. Tastes are just a personal preference. There's no right and wrong when it comes to ice cream, although by some of the things you see on the internet, you might think that <laughs> there are people who make food choices that are immoral. I have one friend that thinks if you uh, put your cereal in the bowl first and then put the milk on top, that that is some kind of an abomination. Um, but whatever, <laughs> those are the kinds of things you see on Facebook. He's just kidding, really. But So what we're arguing is that this whole fact-value dichotomy is wrong. <laughs> it comes from the idea that we can't really know about reality. Um, it comes from modernist philosophy. and I reject that. Um, religion is about reality, is about fact, right? Right. And this, the young man that I was discussing this with, I, I was trying to tell him, one of the guys in the discussion with us was a Muslim, and we were, trying to, we were both trying to explain to him that there is either, either the uh, Muhammad is a prophet or he is not. Because he was trying to say, you know, it's, they're all the same, it's your personal preference, you're right according to your view, and he's right according to his view. And we were insisting, no, either Muhammad is a prophet or he is not. That it ha there is a factual basis there. And if Muhammad isn't a prophet, then Islam isn't true, right? So Islam falls apart if Muhammad is proven not to be a prophet or if Muhammad didn't exist. That causes problems within Islam. So it's not just a matter of taste. You can see the same thing if, if you're discussing the existence of God with an atheist. Either there is, in fact, a God, or there is, in fact, no God. Both of those can't, things can't be true. It's not just a personal preference for one or the other. And if it is a personal preference for one or the other, then then religion isn't true, and it's, it's just something we do to make us feel good about each other. So no matter what, no matter how you slice it, pluralism and get this idea that truth claims are just personal preferences just falls apart. 
it's it's really doesn't hold any water. That's one way people make people go to pluralism is that they make all religious truth claims just a personal preference. The way to deal with that is to show to do as I tried to show this young man, take two contrasting beliefs that can't be reconciled together and show there there is either is a God or there is not. Or with Islam you could say either God is Trinity or he is not Trinity. That's the way you demonstrate that this has to do with reality, not with our values, not what, what, with what we uh, prefer. And so that, that's a way to deal with it and to show the person that's saying, no, they're just your personal preference, that they're actually being irrational. <laughs> because it's, it, it's obviously not just a personal preference. So does that make sense, Matthew? Anything we need to correct or add to that? Yeah, it makes sense. I think one of the larger philosophical parts of this is that when you turn religion into a personal preference, then ultimately what you're doing is you're creating subjectivity. And the reality, the truth is that Christianity is not subjective. It's objective. It has a standard of truth. And so what pluralism seeks to do is seeks to say that all religion is simply subjective. Right. And ultimately then what happens is then if if religion is subjective, and this is the ultimate aim of pluralism, then it's preference and then I don't have any right to speak to anyone else's preference because on what basis do I judge your preference as better than my preference? Right, because we're getting back where it has to do with values and Correct. what you think is important and valuable. And it, it's just like, it's just if religion is subjective and if it's just a personal preference, it's just as ridiculous it would be like you standing in line at Baskin Robbins and telling and preaching at somebody at the wrongness of choosing chocolate ice cream over strawberry ice cream. It, that's how ridiculous. It, and this is what, why I think some people react so strongly when you try when you're trying to share the gospel with them because religion is to them all subjective, and you're just to them you're that's what you're doing. Right. You're saying no. Strawberry ice cream is superior, all others are inferior, and you're foolish and all this kind of thing if you choose <laughs> chocolate. Right. I mean, the the most easiest example on a populist level of, of this idea is those, in my opinion, those stupid bumper stickers that say coexist. <laughs> because that's basically what they're arguing. Everybody has your preference, just let it be. Right. But in reality... We understand that Christianity, all Christianity, Islam, Judaism, all make exclusivity truth claims. Yep. And so we have to understand that. And so therefore, you have to hold to the the objective nature of the truth claim, or you don't actually believe the religion. You actually believe nothing at all. And one of the reasons it's so hard to proclaim that message and exclusive truth claim and talk about objective reality is because of the philosophical 
philosophical mindset in our day. The, right. The zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, yeah. is against it. So this is this really is a challenge, even on a popular level. Somebody, I mean, this kid that I was talking to hasn't read philosophy. He's he's just imbibed on the um, mm-hmm. the things in our culture that teach him this. So it really is an issue that will probably come up in witnessing. So the other way that pluralism happens is by making all religions essentially the same. So what I have in mind here is the people that say the whole point of religion is to make people good, decent people. And so if religion makes people good and decent people, then religion is good. And in a sense, I'd say... It's true. I mean, that's why our founding fathers supported religious belief, because they knew it would lead to a moral society. So they saw religion as a good, positive thing. Our culture doesn't see it that way anymore. But (laughs) if you make, if you say that that's all religion does, or some people will say, well, all the religions teach the golden rule, the golden rule is the essential essence of Christianity, so as long as you do unto others what you would have them do to you, then you're practicing true religion, and it's fine. The problem with that is, is as Christians, the golden rule isn't especially Christian. <laughs> right. It is, the idea is found in other places than just Christianity. Now, we believe that's because God reveals his law naturally to the whole world, and it's obvious to everyone that this, from the natural law, that this is a truth, and that's why it's wrapped up in other religions grab hold of it as well, because they see it in nature, right? Right. But Christianity, if you boil Christianity down to its essence, it would not be the golden rule. If you want to boil Christianity down to that, its essence, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for sinners, was raised for their justification, and through faith in him, anyone who believes can be saved from their sin and the judgment of God. That that really is the essence of Christianity. And if you compare that with other religions, it's not the same thing. <laughs> it We teach something different. And even it, when it comes to our motivation for being good and moral, our motivation isn't, isn't out of duty or fear, but it's out of love and obedience to God because God has been so gracious to us. So even, even our goodness ha- goes back to the gospel. So the gospel is, is, is the essence of Christianity, the essence of the Christian faith, and there's no other faith that claims that same thing. So it, it's not these religions are not just basically this different ways of getting to the same God. Um, we don't even believe it. We don't even believe in the same God as Hindus do. They believe in many gods. We believe in one true and living God. Muslims believe in a Unitarian God. We believe in a Trinitarian God. So there's differences even at the level of who is God and what is He like among among different religions. Religions are not essentially the same, even if there are some similarities in them, because God has revealed himself in 
and his law through nature. So everyone has some knowledge of God, and that gets brought into um, what happens is they suppress the truth and turn it into false religion, and so there's still some similarities, there's still some overlap, but there's no way in which we can say that Christianity and other religions are essentially the same, unless you distort Christianity and all the other religions as well. Because I don't think Hindus would appreciate <laughs> that either. Nor And Muslims, especially Muslims, and I use them because they, like Christians, are exclusive, right? Right. It's Their faith is the one true faith in their eyes. And if you don't submit to Allah through what the Quran and the Hadith teach, then you're in danger of hell. So that's why I use them as an example. All religions are not essentially the same. There are enormous differences. Even if morally we come down on a lot of the issues in the same way, there's still fundamental disagreements between Muslims and Christians. Religions aren't all the same. Right. And I think part of the reason why people believe the fallacy is because ultimately one of the things religion is seeking to do is answer the quote-unquote the big questions of life. Where does life come from? Where do we come from? How do, how do we What's our purpose? What's all of those kind of questions? And all you need to do is spend time reading what the religions say, and you will quickly realize that those these religions hold differing opinions and they're not the same thing. And so we have to understand that. And again, it's reductionistic to say yes. that. Religion is just about having warm, fuzzy feelings and being nice to people. But that's what our culture tries, on some level, tries to say, because ultimately, this is another conversation, but ultimately because we're seeking to push God out of the public square and belief out of the public square, and it's just part of this belief structure that some people need, but the culture doesn't believe it needs, but that's another conversation for another day. So I think the antidote, the, the answer to the second way of, of making religion, uh, of coming to pluralistic ideas, is, is the same as before, where you show these ideas that contrast and can't be reconciled. So, you know, the Trinity versus the Unitarian God of Islam. Um, you, ha- you have to show how these things are fundamental to the Christian faith and that you, if you take them away, they, they change the Christian faith entirely and make it something it's not. So it's, it's really, you answer both of these things in the same way. Um, I think that's all I have. Well, Do you I'd have a, anything else? I had a couple things. One, to clarify or straighten me out? No, I don't know about that. One, <laughs> what I will say is, is we have to understand, first of all, one of the challenges that will come for more progressive Christians is the idea that they go to the Sermon on the Mount, judge not that you be not judged, and you're not supposed. So therefore, we're not supposed to say anything about any about any other religion. So we're always supposed to get along. Keeping it really short, that does not. That's not what that means. <laughs> it's not judge not that you be not judged. Does not mean that I'm not supposed to make value judgments. 
or truth on truth claims. Yeah, that's because not, telling somebody that they're judgmental is really judgmental to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You have to judge some judge that someone is being judgmental in order to tell them that they're judgmental. So you're breaking if if that's what that if that's the intention, then right. you're breaking the command by telling somebody they're breaking the command. So. Exactly. So that's one caveat. That's one extra point on the end. Second extra point of the end is there's a difference between religious pluralism and religious liberty. And we so we have to understand that. We're not ultimately we would advocate that Christianity and from our perspective Baptist Christianity is the proper religion. But we're not saying then that therefore we should seek to eliminate everything else. But that ultimately we should seek to eliminate it, but not by order of the state, but rather through persuasion, persuasion. and persuasion of having individuals understand and comprehend what Jeremy talked about as the gospel. Yeah. And that's the way we eliminate it, not through coercion, but rather through persuasion. Right. Because with Christianity, you can't coerce someone right. to be a Christian. If you coerce them, then it's not genuine. Correct. It has to be freely the gospel has to be freely embraced by the individual sinner by his heart in order to be saved you can't become a christian by coercion so even if we wanted to do it that way it wouldn't work <laughs> right. so yeah we, we i mentioned this at the beginning but you know we we believe in religious freedom we believe we believe religious freedom is the best way to promote true religion and unfortunately though some will tr choose false religion right and it's the duty of the church to persuade those who believe otherwise to embrace the gospel and we persuade because we we believe that the christian faith is the true faith that there really is only one god the father son and the spirit we believe that God sent his son to die for sinners and that through faith in him, even the worst of sinners can be saved. We believe that this matches reality, that it's an objective fact, that, that you can know that God exists through nature and that that will turn you then to the scriptures where you learn of Christ and what he did for sinners. So, we believe that this is this is an objective an objective fact and that others are wrong that doesn't mean though that we can't get along with other people right um we're we're called as christians even to, even if we view people as their enemies which i don't think we should view people as our enemies but if we do view people as our enemies we're supposed to love even our enemies so We've got to be loving to all as Christians, and it doesn't help our cause to be nasty and mean. And so, you know, we try to persuade by being loving and gracious and kind to, for people to turn to Christ. And and so we, we have to be friendly and winsome and all those kind of things. Right, and the last point just as we think this through is, if you meet a Christian who tries to say this again, this would be more of the progressive persuasion of Christianity. <laughs> but 
they're, they're trying to make the argument that it's not our place to make that persuasion. So I, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. So, ultimately, again, we have to remember that the thing that sets Christianity apart is its exclusivity. And so it's vitally important that we comprehend that fact, that either what God says in his word is true, or as Paul says in other places, we have no hope and we stand condemned. It's one or the other. You can't, we can't take the way it works for me, but it doesn't have to work for you. That doesn't, that just, it, it doesn't work. Well, and ultimately the progressive Christians that you're talking about are pluralists. Right. And that's why they don't believe that it's our job to persuade. Right. Because either they may think all religions are preference, all religions are um, are essentially the same, and that, that's usually the one that they believe in, that they're all essentially the same, they're all just different ways of getting to the same God. Um, that they ultimately are pluralists, which is why they wouldn't think you have to persuade, but we don't. We believe that religious pluralism, as in embracing all religions as true, is is not what the Bible teaches. Right. We believe the Bible teaches there's one true and living God, and that you have life through the name of his Son. And that's the exclusive and only way to have a relationship with God. Right. And so that's what each of us should be striving to communicate to the peop- individuals we come into contact with. We strive to persuade men to believe the gospel. So that's our final word today, is seek to help those around you understand the gospel. Because it's only through the gospel, it's only through the scripture that this world makes sense and seeking any other option will simply lead to confusion. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.